We try to play with great pace. We try to play with great pace. Ran a lot of pick and roll, pick and pop uh, type actions. Oh, you'll see us play. Some people look at the guy next to him and say, what the hell was that shot? Hell, I could have been Gronk before Gronk was Gronk. Welcome back to another episode of, of Bangarangs and Daggers. I'm your host out here on the East Coast, Kevin Knight. And as always with me is Nate McHugh. Nate, how is it out in Nebraska tonight? Well, it's not bad. I did learn something today, though. Have you ever, I'm sure you've heard the saying, uh, you, uh, you have to pay the piper. Have you heard that saying? I assume. Um, Got to pay the piper? I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. I've definitely heard that, yeah. Okay. Do you know what that's from? Um, I, I learned it Probably today. not the Pied Piper of... Uh, yes. What, that, that's where that's from? Yeah. I think that's no. what... The, the Pied Piper where, uh, you know, the people who don't know is he went to a... I think it was a village. Is it Germany, I think? And uh, they had... And this is from uh, Brothers Grimm, their kind of fairy tale. And... Uh, Actually, I heard this from Astonishing Legends, which is a podcast I listen to every now and then. And uh, so they kind of, you know, do a deep dive into things. And this was the fairy tale. And I guess there's actually more behind the story. But the fairy tale is that there's this village that had a rat problem. He comes in. He takes with his pipe, kind of whistles the rats away. He then, you know, comes to get paid. And then the villagers and the mayor decide... They're not going to pay him. So then he leaves and he comes back and he's dressed differently. And now he plays the his pipe. And then all the children in the village essentially followed him out into the forest and they were never seen again. So that's why I say uh, you have to pay the, you know, you got to pay the piper because, you know, if you I'll don't. How I remember the story, the uh, children's book that my grandma had that I read that in had him leading the rats and the children off into the ocean where they all drown. That's, um, Ooh, so it's a little not less morbid than in your version of it, than, uh, the children's book that I read. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they talked about how, you know, because people have rewritten it. And so it's a little different. And, um, but anyway, so I was, uh, you know, I, I had a transition and we were going to talk about Wisconsin uh, and I lost it. So I guess that's going to be our transition. Well, um, no, I'll, I'll go with this transition. Uh, okay. You watched the Wisconsin game, but, uh, you know, the Pied Piper was a bit of a shark there, so to speak. And uh, instead of watching the game, I was on the beach watching people catch a shark. Oh, yes. So, I'm sorry. You know, go ahead. With, uh, with that transition of the shark, um, which apparently this had been caught twice. And this time they actually got it into the beach and uh, cut out both hooks and put it back in. But, um, yeah, so uh, not the brightest shark in the world, letting itself get caught twice. But, uh, well, you, you, you know, what? humans aren't very smart either. I was, when I was on the uh, uh, in Georgia, I think it was that coast, that beach, I think. Yeah, I think it was. And uh, there are dolphins. You can see dolphins. And then um, a shark jumps out of the water, and so there must be fish around. And these people start swimming after the shark. And I'm watching this going on, 
And this lady walks up to me and she, and she says, do they realize that's a shark? I'm like, I have no idea, but because I saw it jump and I thought, I don't think that's a dolphin. And they're going after the shark. And then, uh, then my one jumped out of the water by my son, by like three feet, he was up to his like knees or probably his waist. And one jumped out of the water about three or four feet behind him. But I, you know, I saw people going after a shark. So yeah, the, sh- the shark might be dumb. And there are also, you know, some really dumb people as well. That could that could end it bad, but it didn't. So they got lucky, I guess. Anyways, yeah, well, yeah they're definitely dumb people. But speaking of dumb, uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to say that about the Badgers. I'll just uh, politely insinuate it. Uh, 39-38 at the halftime mark. Uh, Huskers trailed the Badgers by one. But uh, yeah, let's um, let's recap it a little bit. Yet another loss for the Huskers, obviously. Yeah, uh, you know it was. Really close, like you just said, really close at halftime. And then uh, Brad Davison, I would say, took over in the second half. Good old nut puncher himself. Uh, had 11 – I'm sorry, had eight three-pointers himself against Nebraska. He shot 72.7% from the field. Uh, Wisconsin ended, I think, with 15 three-pointers that game. And they – last time they played us – they, you know, set the school record in three-point makes. And, you know, Davison, he averages, I think, six points a game, or is it you know, oh, nine points a game? He had 30 against us. And I think that was really the difference. It was uh, it was a combination of that, him hitting those shots and then uh, us continually or still continuing to have issues making shots around the basket. Because um, a lot, I think what a lot of teams are doing now, they've kind of adjusted a little bit, is that they're contesting our three-pointers even more, our outside shots even more than they were. And they're almost funneling us to, to, their, um, to their bigs because they don't think we can make it around the hoop. And that we're pr- proving it time and time again. Uh, it was an opportunity for a win. Some people think it's probably, it was probably our last opportunity, I think, for the rest of the year, at least the regular season. You know, before we go on to the conference tournament, make a run, win the dang thing, and then go to the, the NCAA tournament, get our first win. And uh, I think we should all expect that. Um, so That is quite the optimistic outlook. <laughs> I, I admire it, except for Northwestern in Lincoln is definitely the best oh, shot at a win left on the season at this yeah, point. Yeah, well, I guess you know, I, that's a good point. Uh, I did not look at the schedule like that. But as other people were saying that. Although well, having said that, we are Northwestern's only win on the season, but it was in <laughs> Evanston. So to be fair, it was on the road that they got the win, or you know, us on the road that they got the win. So, you know, but uh, there's a cliche you hate to see it. Technically, it's usually said sarcastically. In this case, it's not at all sarcastic. You hate to see it when somebody like Brad Davison has a big game like that. The slime ball. Yeah, and for people who don't understand, like we, you know, I called him nut puncher earlier. Uh, he, uh, some I don't know if it was another player or if it was just a fan, posted a video, a cut up video on Twitter. Essentially, if you set a screen, an on ball screen, or a down screen, an away screen, he's going to come by and he's probably going to try to to punch you and you know 
in the sensitive area and there, and it must be well known. Cause even some on the video, the guys, but getting raised to the screen, all of a sudden start getting really small because they know what's coming. And I don't know why, you know, if I was a player, I'd ask my coach if I, could I just, if he's coming to the hole, can I, can I get an intentional foul? You know, just like put him in his place because that's, that's not welcome in basketball. I mean, I, I, I'm all for, you know, bringing, you know, knocking him to the ground, you know, being a little chippy and all that, but stay away from that stuff, you know. Uh, but back to the game, I guess uh, Cam Mack was sick, went into the game. He had eight points, eight assists, and nine rebounds. You know, he was, that's almost another triple-double. And, uh, you know, where would we be without Cam Mack? I don't know. Uh so, you know, it's an unfortunate thing. Uh, Cheatham, he had 17 points, so he's had 37 points in his past two games after not scoring a single point against Iowa. So, uh, you know, those are some of the good things, but guess what? We lost. <laughs> right. So, uh, I, I said before the season, our inability to play above the rim was going to be an issue in the big 10 and it really is and we saw that again against wisconsin so um too bad i don't know uh got any additional thoughts or do you because i I know people don't realize who we play next which happens to be michigan state well i said it before and i'll say it again will a real big 10 center please sign a letter of commit and come to lincoln next year That'd be great. And that, that'd be great if, you know, we could have someone, you know, like you said, a real big 10 center uh, and then put Kevin cross, you know, maybe, maybe at the four or just, you know, kind of a backup because, you know, like I say, time, time again, I'm not a big fan of how he, his game and how he plays. He's good on offense, but he's terrible on defense and it hurts us. You know, it makes other guys have to play a lot harder. And uh, so, yeah. I don't know. And I guess we can move I mean, on. All you other Big Ten centers on the roster aren't a real Big Ten center. So will a real Big Ten center please listen to this podcast and sign a letter of commitment? Yeah, and so I guess something else that's kind of come out uh, as far as trying to find a Big Ten center, supposedly the NCAA is moving towards immediate – um, eligibility for uh, all transfers. Uh, I think what they want to do is they want to give you each player one free, essentially a free transfer where they're not going to get penalized. And uh, I think, I mean, if, if you don't care about the transfer market and how that works, I mean, as far as it doesn't bother you, then this is great. But if, you know, I think one issue that college basketball has is that you know, if it's hard to really like kind of. There's not a lot of times that the the players that you are rooting for and uh, getting to kind of to know. It's not, a lot of times, you know, it's getting less and less that they're going to be there through the whole, um, you know, the all the four or five years. You know, uh, uh, Curtis, uh, what's his first name? Who, who transferred already? Samari um, Curtis. But, yeah, Samari Curtis. You know, I thought I. I knew, you know, watching him, I didn't think he was going to be a contributor in his first year, but I was excited to see what would happen later on. 
And now we won't get to see that unless I, you know, want to watch him. Uh, where is it? Ohio, Ohio, right? Where is he in Ohio? Yeah, he's from Ohio. I, I don't remember where he transferred to, but yeah, I mean, I it's it's two sides of a coin on that one. I I definitely sympathize with the rare student athlete who is like the occasional college student who, you know, makes a choice at 17 to go somewhere, gets there, realizes they don't like it. It's not a good fit. Having nothing to do with just, well, I'm not getting playing time as a freshman and I expected playing time kind of angle, you know, and it's just, it's not somewhere that they are going to be happy at for the next four years and they want to get out. You know, that happens. It, it, it does happen, and making them sit out for making a mistake at 17 of picking the wrong school, or they pick a school and the coach gets fired or leaves for a different school. You know, that that's pretty unfortunate, and it, it is a double standard that the NCAA has. But the fact is, is that most of the guys on the transfer market show up. They struggle as a freshman because it's a big transition from high school to college, unless you're somebody like LeBron James, who actually, you know, chose to go to college for a year. Um, you know, unless you're that kind of player, you're probably going to struggle at some point in the season. And a lot of guys just choose to cut bait and run and go somewhere where the coach is still going to play them or not ride them as hard. And then they're going to try and leave there early for the NBA or something. You know, I mean, it's uh, some of the greats that I I know from MSU, like Draymond Green, for example, would have left if he could have after his freshman year. That wouldn't have benefited him. He wouldn't have be a you know, multi-NBA champion if he would have left early, probably. Um, you know, he benefited staying in the same system. So it's it, it's two sides of the coin on that. Um, you know, I, the whole argument of their student-athletes, I'd, I'd at least like to see something requiring a basic GPA requirement, you know, to have some farce of, uh, you know, academic purity to it i guess so to speak but nobody asked me so yeah it's kind of like the uh the academic part it is a farce especially with this you know one and done rule where you know they ought they have to go to college or then or they go play you know a year overseas but if they're at college they they only have to be eligible for was a half a semester almost right i mean because they can literally, once basketball is over, they can just stop going to class if they're going to go to the NBA. And so it's like, it is really kind of a farce. It's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I can see arguments on every side of it. Uh, personally, for me, and I'm not the one who's going to make this decision, so I can have this opinion, is that I wish it was kind of like baseball. Uh, I wish the, the kids were, were able to. Uh, right out of high school, go to the NBA. Sure, I don't care. Go for it. However, if you sign a, you know, a scholarship, which is kind of like a contract, you gotta be, you know, it's three years. And I mean, at least two years for an associate's. Like, come on, have like a minimum benchmark there. Yeah, and yeah, and so because I just I, I think that, and I still now now I'm you know thinking out loud. I'm like oh, that really kind of sucks. You know, like you, like you just said, you know, you, you pick a school and all of a sudden uh, not to play college basketball for three years, even though I could be, you know, a top 10 pick. Um, and I don't like that either, but <laughs> I don't like it either way. I don't like, you know, 
you know, I guess I'm adjusting my thinking as I'm talking through it, but, uh, yeah. Anyways. So we are going to, uh, Nebraska, uh, plays Michigan state next and you are easily by far the best expert on Michigan state. So my question to you, unless you got a, a plan on how you want to talk about them, we beat Nebraska, say we, I mean, Nebraska, Nebraska beats Michigan state. If what? Or how about this? Or Nebraska beats Michigan State because blank. Um, <laughs> so I'll go with this. Uh, they would have a chance if uh, Xavier Tillman's new son keeps him up all week and a bunch of the teammates help out and get kept up all night and nobody gets any sleep and they show up utterly exhausted to Lincoln. That would be the best chance and the most realistic chance, I suppose. Um, because for anybody who doesn't know, which if you're not a Michigan State fan, you probably don't know this. Xavier Tillman's wife just had their second child. Uh, they induced Saturday after no Sunday, uh, Sunday morning, they went in and his son was born like 1203 AM Monday morning or something, something like that. Um, so it's a second child. Uh, he already has a toddler, um, baby girl and yeah but he's also the starting center for Michigan state. Um, so, you know, uh, congratulations to him. I'm sure, you know, everybody joins me in wishing the baby. Well, but kind of hard to be controversial on that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, basically the offense for Michigan state goes through Cassius Winston and secondary through Xavier Tillman. Um, there's really nobody else contributing at this point, and that's where you see their struggles right now with being a preseason number one pick and then turning into the quickest to drop out of the AP poll as a preseason number one since 1968, I believe, and is actually the quickest ever, um, but it's the fastest the team's dropped out also since 1968 was the last time anything like that happened. So... Yeah, uh, this is like two or three games old as a stat, but Winston has um, the sixth most attempts of any player in the NCAA because um, it's just nobody else is a reliable scorer this season besides Tillman, and he has to take an insane amount of shot attempts as a result. Um, Cuts into his assists, cuts into his scoring, because when you take that many shots, guaranteed some of them aren't going to be very good. And teams have figured that out and figured out how to shut it down so that, uh, you know, they double team Winston and don't really have the ability to have any kind of backdoor cuts for Tillman or anything like that. And then Henry, Marble, Lawyer, um, you know, et cetera, of the MSU roster, nobody steps up and scores. So if you can shut down, well, let me rephrase that. If you can limit as much as possible Tillman and Winston as a scoring duo, then the Huskers have a chance. Uh, chance at that although they also have to score baskets so um but i mean having said that maryland just won any slanting on saturday night on a 14-0 run with just over two minutes to go to come back from being six down and then they go on a 14-0 run and win uh you know i mean it's just it's absurd how unreliable the rest of the talent on the bench is for that um yeah, although uh, 
It'll be interesting to see because, I mean, Hoiberg likes to push the ball. Izzo likes to push the ball. Um, Huskers are down Kavas now. So, granted, he wasn't exactly putting in a ton of minutes, but he's had some valuable ones the last two games before uh, leaving the game with a hand injury on Saturday, which now has officially ended his career, unfortunately. Um, so that's one less guy to put in uh, for a body to run up and down the court. Um, you know, maybe Max healthy, uh, hopefully. So that would that would help, obviously. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think uh, Udraago is going to be able to do much down low against Tillman, though. Um, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Um, yeah. Um, I, about all I got, I guess. So, uh, yeah, I I did see that. So, uh, and maybe you mentioned it. Um, that Michigan State has lost three of their last four. You know, uh, I don't know if that gives you Thanks any for the reminder. Yeah, actually, it's four <laughs> of their last five. But who's four counting? Four of their last five. One, two, one, two, three, four. Are they five for the last ten? I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, so if, if you want to have any hope, maybe that's it. They're kind of struggling a little bit. Then you add Tillman having, you said, a daughter or had a daughter. Um, is that right? Oh, actually, yeah. Okay. And so, I don't know. If there's a reason to believe, maybe that could be it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I guess one of the last things we're thinking about talking about is the three-point line. Uh, the, you, you mentioned, or at least you said you mentioned, uh, prior or earlier in the season, how three point percentages throughout, uh, college basketball are, they've gone down since they've moved the line back. Yep. It had uh, been steadily climbing up in the last couple of seasons. Last year, it was, a uh, not an all time high. It was darn close to it at like 38 and a half percent, 38.7, something, some decimal like that. Um, and it was down earlier in the season, um, close to wrapping up non-conference play. I think it was, I had mentioned this in the podcast, it was down to somewhere in the ballpark of 33 and a half percent roughly. Um, so it was down significantly so far this season after they had moved the line out. Yeah. So they have moved, they, for people who don't know, they moved the line um, back almost two feet uh, to 22 feet, one and a three-fourth inches. Um, that actually matches the international distance. However, the NBA, um, that three-point line is 23 feet, nine inches. So it's still, they got ways to go. Uh, Division One teams are shooting 33.3% so far this season, um, which is the lowest since 1986. So, and that's a perfect time, by the way, for us Nebraska fans to hire Hoiberg, who wants to shoot three-pointers. Perfect timing. So, but it, it opens up the lane, and Hoiberg mentioned us at the co- that uh, coaching clinic and how big of a deal it is, even a couple inches, you know, it opens up lanes for drives. And that's what, and guess what? Nebraska's getting those drives. The, the, that's not been the problem. It's been finishing. You know, and until we, we got guys who can finish with a, you know, if Ke- unless Kevin Krause starts shooting 40% from three and actually the the uh, big guy has to come out and guard him a little bit more. They, there's Some teams are, are starting to guard him a little bit better. But if we can't make it around the hoop, it's not going to matter. So that's kind of 
when I'm looking, you know, forward as far as what the type of guys we bring in and, um, you know, things like that. You know, as far as bringing guys in, there was uh, the Heartland Hoops uh, tournament in Grand Island was this past uh, weekend. And Hoiberg and I think Sadler flew out to uh, Grand Island after the uh, Wisconsin game. I guess that flight took like 28 minutes. Um, they went to watch Hunter Salas and um, Jason Green, I think that's his name, at Millard North. They're playing IMG Academy. Uh, I think Miller North lost by, I think, three or four to IMG Academy. And IMG Academy just, you know, they have four and five-star players up and down the roster. So, you know, there's a lot of talent there for Hoiberg to, you know, to try and get. I think uh, I wrote one of my Flakes articles that Hunter Salas is the first five-star recruit the state of Nebraska as far as high school basketball has ever had. And so he'd be a huge get, but guess what? Everyone else wants him too. I think that includes Kansas. And I mean, that's probably the biggest, some people think that's the biggest, you know, team as far as standing in our way, but you know, I'm sure. Well, hopefully the looming NCAA sanctions sways him not to go to Kansas, but you yeah. know, what do I know? Yeah. I'd hope that maybe Hoiberg or someone would, uh, you know, put that in his ear, you know, cause, uh, you never know who's going to be coaching there. You know, he's like, Hoiberg's like, I'm going to be here. You know, I want to end my, I want to end my career here, which he's, he has mentioned. And, uh, so he would be a huge get and, uh, just, you know, Miller North, I think has four or five D one players on that team. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. That's kind of, unless you got anything else, it's been a short podcast. That's what we wanted uh to kind of get things moving and we all have stuff we gotta get gotta get done tonight so unless you got anything else no that's i'm well yeah i mean go green but nobody else on the podcast wants to hear that so you know i i think that if we were better i would be more you know more agitated but i'm not agitated at all because you know i'm expecting a loss but hey i'll still root for nebraska Crazier and, things have happened this season. Yes. And we'll yeah. take that. It's so, like what, whatever that team was that beat Kentucky. I can't even remember their name. The the purple ones. Um, and then Stephen F. Austin upsetting yeah, Duke. Duke. I mean, yeah, MSU losing at Nebraska at this point would be one of the less crazy things to happen this season. It is insane. And it is sadly, in a way, almost over. But yeah, well. Please, everyone, uh, remember to follow us on whatever favorite podcast platform you uh, subscribe to. You'll get a bangerangs and daggers for all of our excellent basketball coverage. You'll get uh, what, what's that football one again? Uh, it doesn't matter. You'll get that one. And uh, you also get John's post life crisis. Uh, follow us on Twitter at, at bangs and dags, uh, Nate and myself as well. And uh, yeah, you stay classy. Yep, everyone have a wonderful end of February, I guess. All right, bye.